This is Sunday Rewind. Take it back now, y'all. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Welcome in. Husker Rewind. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby. He is there. I am here. Got a big show for you today. Lots of stuff to talk about as well. Of course, uh, Northwestern football. I was thinking this is going to be a tough show to do. And then it happened. Pat Fitzgerald gets fired. And we were wondering last week as we were doing our show if that was going to happen. Well, it happened. It happened rather quickly. He dismissed after hazing allegations in the program. And so we're going to talk a lot about that with both Jim Rose, one of the former voices of Nebraska football, now on KFAB, does mornings with Gary Saddlemeyer, um, has written a couple of books about Nebraska football. So he's well, it's played a little football, uh, played both for the University of Nebraska and uh, in the NFL, quite a while in the NFL. Uh, Was he ever involved in anything like that? Uh, in his college career, in his NFL career, did it happen? Uh, and and how do you deal with it as a player? So we'll we'll talk to both those guys a little bit later on. But Mike Melby, how are you? Doing well. I uh, had a, a fun day yesterday, man. It's it's so interesting, as you know. I always am doing who knows what. I have a million projects going on, but uh, Tracy and I went up and hung out with Tracy's best friend, Ashley, and her husband, Mike, yesterday up in Omaha. They live up there. We went to Henry um, Dorley Zoo, hadn't been there in about five or six years. I went about five or six years ago. And they, they finally got the elephant habitats all done, the new lion habitats done, the, uh, the gorilla house was open. Fantastic. I mean, they do such a wonderful job up there. It's a world-class zoo. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's, so, it's a top-ten zoo in the country, I've been told. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and, it, and it, was, so it was a blast. And then... Uh, we went and saw Christopher Titus at the Funny Bone, and I mean, there's people that don't like Christopher Titus uh, for for a, a pretty specific reason. And you know what? If you don't, whatever, don't care. The man is funny as can be, uh, and and it was a riot. And then I found, or they found, and they took us to a speakeasy that is like an old school 30s prohibition speakeasy in Omaha? in Omaha it's in a basement and you cannot just walk in you have to be let in oh it's one of those secret bars secret bar i think there's one of those in lincoln it's kind of a it's in the it's in the old market where you have to kind of know i i don't know it. i don't know where the one is in lincoln but i know where this one is up in omaha and they have these really wild drinks that you know with this and they put this thing a big sprig of rosemary into one, yeah. and then they light this thing on fire that's in in the drink. Anything on fire has got to be good. Well, yeah, so the rosemary burns a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, I, I tried three different drinks from this place. I'm not going to say the name of it or where it's at because it's a secret. But honestly, all three of these really super expensive drinks that are their like house specialties, yeah. and they've got all these different concoctions, they were awful. Like they weren't really <laughs> they, they very were good, good at all. Uh, yeah, like I mean, you could have. But you enjoy? Did you enjoy your time the, there? The, here's the thing. You know what we do on Halloween? Yeah, we, we've got Shaggy Sinister Circus. I'm Shaggy, and I've got a. a, a, a I wear suit pants, a button-down black shirt, uh, a pure white tie, Doc Martens, and I've got a real nasty trench coat that's got bones oh. and everything hanging oh, off yeah. of it, and a big your massive hat. Yeah, stuff is phenomenal. I could walk into that bar with the theme that they have in my with just without makeup. Yeah. 
just with my shaggy kind of yeah. Halloween costume on, and I would probably drink free all night <laughs> because they're like, you get but it. That's always the goal. Oh, exactly. That's but but I'd be like, yeah, could you just give me a Morgan and Seven? I don't want any of these awful fancy drinks you guys yeah. created. They that's suck. Right. They suck. <laughs> Morgan and Seven, baby. Uh, let's get to the starting gate. We try to do the fastest show in the radio history every week. Uh, we cover a lot of topics. And here's Mike Melby to demonstrate some of the topics that happened this week. Yeah, even when there's not a lot going on because it's uh, the doldrums of the middle of July. But I'll leave it to uh, Pat Fitzgerald to give us something to talk about. Monday, the University of Northwestern fired head football coach Pat Fitzgerald, reversing course on the two-week suspension that they handed down to him just three days before that, saying, yeah, we didn't really learn anything new, but we realized that what we did was really stupid, so we're going to fire him like we should have last Friday. That's I'm paraphrasing what they meant with their press release. Um, They're going to have to pay him, though. I, I think that he, he's already lawyered up. And he's got a big-time lawyer. He, he was, uh, two years ago, it was 10 years, 40, $50 million, and now $43 million left on that contract. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, he, I think the University of Northwestern, from a financial standpoint, is in really serious jeopardy here. And there's also a lot of buzz and a lot of talk that, they, that the, the uh, what is it, Ryan family, yeah. that, that is ponying up the majority of the money. $800 for the, million dollars for the renovation of the stadium. Yeah, I think it's I, all the Ryan family. Well, That's and, their and big donor. The gist is that it's on a kind of temporary, possibly permanent hold. Like, it may not happen now. Right. I haven't heard anything one way or the other, but there's a lot of scuttlebutt that it could uh, not be happening. Now, the interesting thing is, I forgot to jot down the stupid AD's name, Gibbs or uh, Griggs. St- it starts with an S. Yeah. St- uh, I don't I we'll, we'll look it up later. Anyway. No, so that's the president. The Northwestern AD. And again, you know what? It's your football program, Pat Fitzgerald. Everything that we're hearing, yeah, you could say all you want to that you didn't know what was going on other than when you would give evil sneers at players and do a special clap as you winked at other players yeah. that were on Shrek's Shrek council. Clap, yeah. Or Shrek's, what was it? Shrek's it's, something. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, it's ridiculous what was going on. In yeah, so don't tell me you didn't know about it. You were probably the damn ringleader of the thing, and it may go back to when you played there. Regardless, you really got to think that the AD knew about it as well. And then on top of that, let's go to the AD, who a year ago hired a guy by the name of Jim Foster, and he's only there for a couple of months, and there's all kinds of allegations. The baseball coach. Yeah, the baseball coach. There's all kinds of allegations last fall that he was bullying players, coaches, assistant coaches, and had like verbally abusive and possibly even physically abusive behavior. Northwestern's athletic department and university investigated. They go 10 and 40. They don't do anything with him until Fitzgerald's whole thing blows up. And then they're like, oh, crap. Right. Well, we probably better do something here, too. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That, a- that athletic department right now, to me, is a dumpster fire. Well, and... In the day and age of NIL and the transfer portal, they were already in trouble a yeah. little bit. And now they're really in trouble. Uh, the portal, I believe, has to be open for at least another, I don't know, three weeks or something yeah. like that. How many pl- I haven't heard a lot about guys transferring out, Yeah, but there will be. I would think I, there would be. As it gets well, close to the end, got, a lot of guys will be gone. Although, where do you go at this point? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm gonna, I'll ask you this, and I want to ask this to, to Jay Foreman as well. If you are the Big Twelve or the Big Ten commissioner, and conference realignment rears its head again within the next anywhere between probably two and twenty-four months, and you try to get Notre Dame in the fold, and maybe yeah. you go after Florida State and Miami, and maybe you go after Washington, and you try to form a twenty, whatever you, you're doing, 
do you really want Northwestern? I get it. Vanderbilt is the the whatever of the SEC, um, but you, at the same you're time, you're saying they might kick them out of the league. Why wouldn't you? Right now, that athletic department, especially with the men's sports, is an embarrassment. But they're your top academic school by far. You know what? I all that crap. The the acad- I get it. You want to hang your hat on the academic part of it. College football is not about academics anymore, folks. It's semi-pro. It is literally the minor leagues of the NFL. The kids are getting paid. Basketball players are getting paid. Every athlete's getting paid. This whole crap about the – I get it. Academics is super important, and there's a lot of kids that are going to go get an athletic scholarship. They're going to go to a prestigious university like the University of Northwestern for something that's not football and sports. Guess what? They're going to get a fantastic degree, and it's going to take them a long way in life. At the same time, what's the cash cow? Yeah, it, it it sure as hell isn't the science program. It's and, the football field, the basketball court, the baseball diamond. And here's the thing: if I would have told you this stuff was going on at Northwestern, I mean, it's, and you read the details, and it sounds like Jerry Sandusky was involved. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's crazy uh, what was going on there. But if I would have left, you know, just told you the stories of what was going on, and gave you 15 schools to guess. You would not have guessed well, Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. The last one I would have guessed would have been Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. And it's interesting because we asked Steve Sippel last week, a uh, fabulous writer for Husker Online and the On3 Network. And I said, you know, did, did the, does this surprise you? And he said, not at all. Look at their culture. How, how could they have had a good culture? They were 1-11 and, and and uh, you know, overall, what, 4-20 and in the last two years. They had to have a horrible culture. So yeah, they no, didn't this have a winning surprising. culture, but I didn't think – it was this type of no, culture either. And I, and I got exactly what he meant by that. It, it wasn't – and then because then he followed it up with the media and fans and generals, like, love for Pat Fitzgerald. Like, right. he could do no wrong. Right. Which is how you go 4-20 and 20 in two years and your job isn't on the line until there's massive hazing allegations. But here's the thing. The same type of thing happened with Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. Uh, just – two years ago and Kirk Ferentz quite frankly probably should have been fired but he wasn't because he always won eight nine ten games a year they just they blamed it all on their strength coach they dismissed him and everything's clean you never hear about Iowa anymore all that stuff and there were dozens of players that came out against Kirk Ferentz but it was more racially motivated versus this hazing in and I mean the I, I was part of a, a local hockey team for a while, and there was stupid stuff that they did. Yeah. There really was, and and it, it was part of the initiations and the. But to to like this level specifically with no clothing involved, yeah, I it just, it's like whoa, whoa really? <laughs> I I don't get it. Uh, maybe Jay Foreman can explain it. I don't know that anybody can explain it, but. He's been in many locker rooms because he was a, a football player at a high level, both well, yeah. at, at Nebraska and in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, we've all heard the stories about what happened to Scott Frost when he came back to Nebraska from Stanford that year that he was on the scout team about um, what they did to him. And I mean, it was just, I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was more on the field during practice. It wasn't, no. you know. He doing, took a beating, but that, yeah. that happened to players well, exactly. throughout time. That's yeah. happened to players throughout time. So, we sorry we that was something we were going to really get into later, but I got off on a tangent. Well, so apologies. It's, uh, um, it's just so it's, it's so something that alarming. we can't avoid. It's so crazy, and we talked quite a bit about it last week. I didn't think that this would happen, uh, just because it was going to be tough to prove. And I think that's where Pat Fitzgerald has a big advantage here if he's looking to 
gather $43 million, get yeah. $43 million that he was promised from his contract because they gave him a verbal, yeah, you're suspended for a couple of weeks, but that's it. Uh, you're suspended, you're allowed back, and then they just changed course and said, no, you're fired with cause uh, and we'll take all the money. I don't think they're going to uh, win that. We'll find out, but I don't think they're going to win. It, it's not going to go to trial. I mean, it's it's going to there's going to be a settlement. It'll be oh, in the probably yeah. upper twenties, lower thirties. But yeah. just it's still what a huge black eye for yeah. what was horrible. R- like black eye for the Big Ten in it, general. It, yeah, I mean, it, we're going to rank our teams uh, in the Big Ten West a little bit later on in this show. Guess, Guess where, where Northwestern, Northwestern is? Uh, not <laughs> they're, good. They're fifteenth in they, the West. <laughs> they weren't good anyway. They were one and eleven last year. They've been four and twenty since two thousand twenty, I believe, when they were yeah. last in the top ten. Yep. Uh, in college football. So uh, we'll talk about it. All right, real quick. Uh, fan day slated for July thirtieth at Memorial Stadium. Former Waverly High School quarterback, and he walked on at Nebraska. But being a Waverly alum, uh, as myself is, Garth Glissman, man, tip of the cap, dude. You are you are taking advantage of the talent and ability that you have with your brain and that what you've done in athletics he was named the associate commissioner for men's basketball in the southeastern conference on wednesday is it a step down for him though because he spent the last seven years in the front office of the nba the last two is vp of basketball operations for the biggest basketball He's a stud. league on the planet uh, oh and by the way he coached high school basketball here in lincoln parkview, at parkview and then college views head coach as well so major props to garth glissman he played for nebraska basketball played uh, he was a quarterback for nebraska football obviously not high profile it, none one of that those. matters he was the quarterback at waverly high school dude come on give my give my alma mater some props <laughs> uh thursday night at eldora speedway in rossburg ohio logan Schuhart won the richest race in dirt track racing history uh, they had 83 sprint cars there, and he took home $1,002,023. Then he didn't make the feature last night in the race that paid $175,000 to That's crazy that he's that good. Called the King's Royal. It, it, I guess it speaks to the competition. Oh, it is. How good the competition is. And then a guy that we talked about on the finish line last week, Rebecca and I, about is he going to stay with Tony Stewart Racing or not, Donnie Schatz? 10-time World of Outlaw champion because he's kind of really struggling right now. Oh, yeah, by the way, he won his sixth Kings Royal last night. So uh, then one last thing for the starting gate. Jeff Sims, Ethan Piper, and Luke Reimer will be Nebraska's player representatives at the upcoming Big Ten Media Days Thursday, July 27th. Roughly about 11 o'clock is when the Huskers are going to get up on stage and start getting lobbed some softball questions from the media about how awesome things are here. Let's And I'm guessing this year, you actually might get an opening statement from the head football coach at the University of Nebraska. Remember last year, Scott Frost did not did not even make an opening statement at Big Ten Media Days. Just what said, was he going to say? Did, I'm going to get fired in three weeks? I, I plan to get fired in three <laughs> weeks, uh, so if there are any questions about that, please ask them. <laughs> hey, you know, and, and quite frankly, Jim Harbaugh does the same thing. He, true. He, doesn't, well, yeah, he we, doesn't really make an opening statement, but it's like – Come on, Scott. Give us a reason to like you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the one thing that Matt Rule has done. He's given us plenty of reason to like him. Uh, it'll help if he wins on the football field. But he'll give a great opening statement. And everybody at Big Ten Media Days, those that have not heard him speak to the media yet, will be very impressed. Uh, but what do you think of the three guys invited uh, by Matt Rule? 
I, I, I like it. I, no I, surprise with Jeff Sims, right? I, well, He's kind well, of the face of the program. That's the thing. I was surprised Casey Thompson wasn't a part of it last year. But then, to me, that really spoke um, – it didn't spoke. It sounded alarm bells about the season. When, when the, the stud quarterback that you're bringing in, that, that's, you know, he wasn't handed the starting job, but he was essentially handed the starting job. When that guy isn't one of your media representatives at your conference media days, that was a little worrisome for me last year. I think it's awesome that Sims is there. Uh, Luke Reimer, I, it, it, I would have been shocked had he not been a guy that was there. He's going to be second all-time in tackles in Nebraska football history by the time he's done. Yeah, and he was a walk-on, yeah. by the way. So uh, you, you totally understand that. Yeah. The guy that sticks out to me, though, is Ethan Piper. Ethan Piper. Who may not even be a starter right now, right? I mean, you got Turner Corcoran, who I would think would be one guard. If, if you have Teddy Prohaska coming back, and I hope that he is, he's your tackle. That moves Turner Corcoran inside. You have Norton Norwili, uh, who is back this year, who I would think would be the other tackle, unless Ethan Piper takes either one of those guys out. Well, and I'll be honest with you, I, I I don't have anything against Ethan Piper because Ethan Piper is a guy that I thought they should have basically informed back in 2021 that, you know what, maybe a change in position was something that you needed. And it was one play in the Oklahoma game when he got absolutely blown up on the extra point attempt that got run back for a two-point conversion, which, um, I mean, it was all on him. And to, to get embarrassed like that on national tv for that young man to take the demotion that he got and the lack of playing time over the course of the next two years and then start earning some playing time back and to bust his ass since matt rule got hired and to to work his way into a leadership role within this program i cannot say enough good things about ethan piper and you know what i think he he probably deserves it as much as anybody the guy that i would have loved to have seen be invited was somebody you mentioned Nuri Nuili, and it's mainly because I know the guy. We've had him on the air in studio with him, and he's so charismatic and gregarious and such a fun, outgoing dude. I think think here's a guy that didn't even play last year. I get it. And and And, that's part of the reason he's probably not. I get it, but he's also going to be a starter. And I just, I don't know, I, just from the, the sheer enjoyment and entertainment standpoint, and Ethan may wind up being super yeah. entertaining. I've just never seen Ethan talk a whole lot, but uh, I know Nuri, man, he, yeah. <laughs> he'd hold court and it would be a blast. But Offensive uh, linemen are usually your best speakers on the entire team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quarterbacks are way up there. There's not a running rack back represented. Anthony Grant maybe could have been picked. Uh, Gabe, Gabe Irvin. Irvin could have been picked. Uh, last year, I believe you had uh, Newsom, Quentin Newsom, well, uh, there who, at Big Ten Media Bit Days, and he's not there this year. And that's who I guess I'm surprised is not there. And that's um, that's where I, Ethan Piper over Quentin Newsom, and it may be something. I mean, that's the whole thing too. We could sit here and nitpick about who they picked to go. The one thing I can guarantee you is that anybody here that's nitpicking who went and said, "Well, so and so should have gone instead of this guy or that guy." I can promise you, if you're nitpicking about it, that means you don't know what's been going on right. in the locker room, behind the scenes, at practice, off the field, and away from the stadium. Yeah. And these guys are going for a reason. And I mean, it's not knocking anybody else, but Quentin Newsom may have been a guy that yeah. said, hey, you know what? I went last year, send somebody else. Right. And that's what they might have been like thinking. He seems like he's that kind of guy that would do that. Yeah, too. That's what they might be thinking. Uh, hey, he went last year. Let's give somebody else a chance to do it. I could have seen a guy like Ty Robb, Ty Robinson go. I think he would have been a, a good selection to go to Big Ten Media Days. But obviously, Jeff Sims, not a surprise. You want him to be the face of the program. Um, 
He's going to be a captain. Whatever they pick the captains, he's going to be a captain. Um, in fact, have they done that? Or am I off on that? I don't think they've. No, picked, they have. The volleyball they, team did. But. The volleyball team has picked their captains. But uh, you would I think. Don't, I don't know that Jeff Sims is going to be a captain. Casey Thompson wasn't a captain, and there was a reason. It just feels like he. I get it. But I mean, we because we I remember asking, and I know they're picked by the players. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes the coaches will stress, "Hey, uh, you get to pick anybody you want. Pick this guy, <laughs> exactly. But pick this guy because we need him to be a leader, and uh, we won't we want you to pick him. But you know, whoever the players pick is who they pick. I I, th- I think they got all the guys right. I, I was just surprised by Ethan Piper. I guess it tells you a lot more about Ethan Piper than we knew. Well, that, and that's my point is he's a guy that I sat there and I, after the at Oklahoma game a couple of years ago, um, I, I was just like, oh man. And then flip side, here he is today, and it's like you know what? To get to the point where the the staff and and his peers and everything else think enough of him that they're like, you know what? He's going to go. That tells you exactly what kind of a character and genuine human being yeah. that guy is off the football field. By the way, uh, Fan Day has been announced. It's July thirty first at the Hawk Center. Thirtieth. Actually, is it the thirtieth? Yep. Okay, um, but there'll be a big crowd and and guys in their fifties wearing jerseys. So there you go. Uh, but no, I think it's cool. I, I think Fan Day is a big deal, and uh, I think that's exciting. I haven't been to a Fan Day for a long time. When was the last one you went to? I actually remember. I think mine. I think I last went when I was a kid. I actually remember mine. How old were you? Uh, I would have been... And there's nothing wrong if you're an 13. adult, especially if you have kids and you want to take them to Fan Day. It's just a little awkward for me, the guy who's there by himself, and he's in his 40s and 50s, and he's wearing a Husker jersey, and he's just standing in line to get an autograph. It's a, it just seems a little odd to me, but that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. I am too. Kind of. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I said kind of for Tom because I think uh, that was kind of, there was an implied kind of. It's no, okay. My last fan day was actually 1981. I was 13 years old. And um, I, I, if I remember right, I sat with the players because we were, uh, my family was a Lincoln, we were called Lincoln families. And um, you, you could, the, the kids, the players would come and have dinner at your house and all that type of stuff. Uh, but we were involved with a running back out of Colorado Springs named Dennis mm-hmm. Rogan. Uh, Dennis, well, I remember Dennis Rogan. Yeah, he played as a freshman. He came in with Turner Gill and Irving Fryer uh, and uh, Roger Craig, and it was him and Craig battling it out on the freshman team for starting Ibach. And then this no-name guy named Mike Rozier showed up, and uh, Dennis saw the writing on the wall, didn't want to move to wing back because Irving Fryer's there, and he transferred to Weber State where he broke a whole boatload of Big Sky Conference records and played uh, with the Oilers for yeah. a, a couple of years. He was a big a, dude, wasn't he? Yeah, Dennis, he's, Dennis he's was really big dude. 5'10", 225, yeah, he was put together. and he ran a 4'3", 40. Yeah, he was put together. I, he I just, do remember him. He had a problem with directions is kind of what I <laughs> I heard they called him wrong way rogan because <laughs> it'd be a it'd be just a sweep left and he's headed to the right side yeah, you probably need to learn the plays if you want to get on the field but uh, he was a very talented back i do remember him and he's really a big guy um I, we want to talk to jim rose we've got a big show for you today as we mentioned jay foreman uh former nebraska linebacker uh, played in the glory years of husker football he's in the nebraska hall of fame played in the nfl for a long time he'll be on the show uh, he said he might come in early around 530 so we'll see if that happens uh, so we could maybe get to ex- uh, spend an extended time with Jay Foreman but Jim Rose uh, former voice of Husker football is on KFAB in the morning talks a lot about Husker sports and he'll talk to us coming up next Mike Melby there Tom Stevens here back with more after this 
This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Husker Rewind every Sunday, 5 to 7. Mike Melby there. Tom Stevens here as we bring in a good buddy of mine, Jim Rose, of course, former voice of Husker football, longtime uh, broadcaster, now on KFAB, has been on KFAB for a long time, talks Husker sports on a regular basis. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Good. Doing good. good. Uh, have, you guys, have you guys been very dutiful about putting on your SPF Factor 50, or are we looking at melanoma down the road? Well, I, I, I played golf near you. I, I, you, uh-huh. look, you look fantastic. Uh, your swing is phenomenal. And I was thinking <laughs> uh, you didn't look too sunburned, so you must have been uh, protecting yourself throughout the round. Yeah, I was basically uh, an invisible bubble wrap. That was me the other yeah. day. How'd you guys end up in that tournament? You know, we're pretty mediocre, but yeah. it was a hell of a time. And yeah. that's the most important thing. That's a, is, that's, that's, that's you know, do you, really, do you really have a good time? Because the chances of winning in my group are never very high. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. We were pretty awful. I think we, were, we finished at <laughs> nine under par uh, for a four-man scramble, basically as a two-man best net or something like yeah. that. We, it was awful. Uh, I think we were in that neighborhood, too. Yeah. Hey, I uh, wanted to bring you on tonight to talk a little Northwestern football. Uh, obviously, uh, it, we talked about it, Mike and I, but if there is one guy that I would have guessed that never would be in this situation would be Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern, and yet here we are. It, it, it seems bizarre to me. How bizarre is it to you that this is where Northwestern football is right now? Well, my take on it, guys, is this. Northwestern is staring up the face of the Matterhorn in the evolving, in the evolving picture of college sports, and uh, this is what I mean. You're talking about an entirely new era where players are getting compensated, name, image, and likeness is uh, not only a part of the culture; it's now driving recruiting. It wasn't intended to be a recruiting slush fund, but in many in many aspects, it really is. Uh, the transfer portal will allow players easy access to another school if they don't think that they're getting a fair shot at playing time. And uh, it's, it's creating a climate here where the academic and the school experience is really secondary. And now I, I personally believe that there will be reforms and there will be some sort of policy and procedure that is agreed upon in the near future. But if you're Northwestern, you have to be very, very sober about whether this is something we can compete with or compete on in the coming years. Uh, It is a school that has extraordinarily high academic requirements, and they just don't bend on them. There are probably, I'd say, 10 to 11 percent of the top 300 players in each recruiting class that would academically qualify to get into Northwestern, Uh, and that's, that's that's a number that would be 35, 40 guys, maybe. Uh, And then you're splitting them up with Stanford and Vanderbilt and Wake Forest and some of these other programs. Now, Stanford has had academic waivers for athletes for a number of years, but Northwestern does not. So in this era of players coming and going, free agents, uh, the transfer portal is how you fix your roster. At least a lot of them are trying it that way. Northwestern's probably looking at this and saying, you know what, this may not be for us. So you think in terms of, well, wait a minute, how would you leave the Big Ten Conference, or how would you just decide that 
this isn't for us. We got to look back on history and the Ivy League dominated college football for the first half of the 20th century. And then the TV era arrived. They were going to have to start cutting academic corners and they all said, no, we're not going to do it. Uh, sports is not our brand. It's nice. We like having good teams, but we're going to take a step back. We're eliminating athletic scholarships and we're just going to be academic institutions and our guys go to class. And so they compete in their league. What Princeton did in the NCAA tournament this year was pretty rare. You don't see that very often. But they're never, ever going to play in the college football playoff. They're never going to play in a January 1 bowl game. And they're good with that. And it has not affected their academic standing, and it certainly hasn't affected fundraising. Every one of them has billion-dollar endowments. So I just wonder if Northwestern isn't looking at that model and saying, you know, sports doesn't define us. We don't have to be good in sports to have a great university. It's a private school. It's a very small alumni base. So I think this is the first step toward de-emphasizing sports at Northwestern. Okay, Jim Rose joining us here on Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Jim, I want to ask you then, does the Big Ten possibly also feel similar in the fact that, you know what, um, I'm not sure that these guys moving forward because we are focused on athletics which makes us billions of dollars. I don't know that they fit, and if we could go get somebody else that does, um, it, 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 is that a possibility? Absolutely it is, uh, and that happened in 1953. University of Chicago kind of joined the Ivy League and said, you know, and Chicago produced the first Heisman Trophy winner. But Chicago's going, you know what? We're not going to compete with these big schools. They're bringing in guys that were World War II veterans. They're really not there to go to school. They're just there to play football. We're not going to do that at the University of Chicago. So they left the Big Ten Conference, and they were replaced by Michigan State. So it has happened in the past, not the recent past. But I also believe this about the ever-changing composition of college football. I believe that you will continue to see some expansion in the next three to five years, but then you will begin to see contraction. You will begin to see conferences kick people out. And these are people that are not generating television ratings. They're not generating revenue through their third-tier media rights like the Big Ten Network. They're not filling up their stadium. They're not doing what everybody else is doing. And everybody else is thinking, wait a minute, why would we share money with a bunch of guys that really don't contribute anything? And as you guys read between the lines with Texas and Oklahoma, that's exactly the reason they left the Big 12. They were bringing in all the money, and everybody else was getting it. Uh, And I believe the Big Ten and I believe the SEC will begin looking and we'll see what happens with the other conferences. But I think they're going to start looking at, okay, is everybody really a fit here? And Northwestern and Vanderbilt would be easy to kick out because they're private schools. They're not governed by state-elected boards of regents or curators that can politically gum up the works. They can just send them a letter and say, guys, it's been fun having you, but you're out. Because, you know, there's no federal requirement or state requirement that Northwestern be in the Big Ten Conference. That is a country club, and they get to decide who's a member. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Uh, and I think if you look around the scope of college sports, it's now going to be about that. Uh, it's going to be about what do you bring to the table. And Northwestern might say, we're never going to bring anything to the table. We never sell many tickets to our own fans. If you look at games at Northwestern featuring well-traveled opponents, Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa, that half the stadium is filled with the other team's people. So um, it's 
it's it's an easy one. I, I don't know, obviously don't know that this is what they're thinking, but when you look at a guy like Pat Fitzgerald, who had modest success there, they weren't spectacularly good. They had they would have a very good season about every fourth every fourth year they'd have a nine or a ten win season under under Coach Fitzgerald. I thought he was a great guy. I thought he was a perfect fit for Northwestern. But uh, you know, this was not this was not a guy that they couldn't do without. Jim Rose, former voice of Husker football, uh, talk a little Northwestern football right now. It's it's crazy to me how things have changed in 10 years. Nebraska got into the Big Ten, but it was close, and the Big Ten always prided itself as an academic environment. Uh, and Nebraska, because it didn't have that history, got in because of their football tradition. And now we're looking at uh, schools like Northwestern and saying, yeah, yeah academics, who cares? Uh, it's all about making money. We're adding UCLA. We're adding USC. We're we're trying to go get Notre Dame and maybe Clemson. It feels like that was like forty years ago, and it was just ten. Yeah, Nebraska got in because of one thing: its national football brand. It was considered by every fan affinity poll one of the top five brands in college football. They they didn't put Nebraska in because of people. There, how many cable systems even exist in the state of Nebraska? Three, yeah. uh, four. So they did it because this is a national brand that will play big games on national TV against Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Well, Nebraska hasn't really kept up its end of the bargain much since it joined eleven years ago. It hasn't really competed for the championship, but that was the whole that was the whole reason for it. Uh, and I, I believe that that still exists in many ways uh, as a determiner as to who gets an invite and who doesn't. Missouri had a significantly better uh, demographic resume than Nebraska because you got six, seven million people in the state of Missouri with two top 25 media markets. Nebraska has one top 75 media market, but Missouri does not have a national football brand. So looking into the future, what does this mean for the Big Ten? Well, we know the Big Ten wants to be in three, at least three time zones uh, for their television program, which is really smart. They've got the three big networks, and they've got three different time zones right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they added two more teams from the West Coast uh, to make travel a little less ominous for them, but also add more inventory for their Western time zone, the Pacific time zone. I think this is where it's going. Well, Northwestern is in the middle of the country where most Big Ten teams are. They're not bringing anybody, so they're not even bringing anybody from the West Coast to watch the, the games on television. This, to your point, Tom, I think this is exactly where we're headed relative to conferences. It's really not about, oh, gee, those guys are really have a great business college. we got to have them because of their engineering college. It's not about that anymore, not when it comes to athletic conferences like the Big Ten. Now, you had mentioned that Nebraska got in, bottom line, because of the national football brand. So let's turn the conversation to Nebraska football. Matt Rule's here. We haven't had you on since uh, we you know, got our show going and Matt Rule's been hired. I would love to know your thoughts. Uh, what are we now, about seven, seven and a half, eight months into Matt Rule being in charge of the Nebraska football program? Jim, what do you feel about where he's taking the program? Well, every indicator that we've gotten has been really positive. Uh, he, he's, he's talked about the need to really double down on Nebraska kids, which is something just mind-bogglingly Scott Frost, Mike Riley, and Bo Pelini ignored. 
Uh, he's talked about how important it is to get into the state of Texas for players, which, again, uh, stunningly, stupefyingly, the previous three coaches did not want to do, even though you have daily nonstops from Dallas and Houston into Omaha. So <laughs> that was quite startling to me, too. Uh, but so the you know the the things coming out of the program have all been super positive. You know, I I was asking him about NIL. I had a meeting in his office during the spring, and I asked him about NIL and about developing players and what kind of a guy he would get because he knows it's not healthy for any program to have a big transfer migration in or out. Uh, and so his recruiting philosophy is to really dig deep and scout guys and then project them. Again, that's something Nebraska used to do better than anybody. So that's great to see. And certainly his record of achievement is is without question. He turned two really mediocre programs around and put them, you know, not only in the 10-win category, but in the case of Baylor, conference championship. But he hasn't coached any games yet. You know, they haven't played any games yet. We don't know what's going to happen in the month of November until we get to November. And that's really where the judgment is. Your, your program anymore is really judged on how does it perform in November. Everybody's hurt by the time you get to November 1st. If you're not hurt or injured by November 1st, it's because you haven't been on the field. Uh, and so then it becomes a test of, all right, what, what really matters here? Uh, and we're going to find out what Nebraska's football team does uh, with Matt Rule in charge of that culture. But everything I've seen, I'm impressed. Everything I've heard, I'm impressed. I've, I've seen him speak, uh, not on football, but on other things. And I think that's really cool. I'm, I came away super impressed. Um, I don't know a lot of his staff members, but I think just by comparison, experience comparison, uh, the guys he has brought in, largely top to bottom, by comparison to what Scott Frost brought in, is just astounding. I mean, none of Scott Frost's assistant coaches had ever coached in the Big Ten Conference, ever. Hmm. And, uh, and you, see, you look at that and go, oh, my God, this, this is a really, really scary staff from, a, from the standpoint of experience. But everything I've seen I really like. Um, I, I've been impressed with some of his recruiting philosophies and some of the guys that he's that he's signed or at least gotten commits from, not just because they're high-profile guys. In many cases, they aren't. But they are developmental guys, and your developmental guys are not going to leave on you after the first or second year. Jim, uh, obviously Scott Frost got outcoached in, in many, many occasions. The Nebraska special teams last year and throughout the tenure of Frost I ranked in the 120s of 131. Uh, if if Rule's going to be good, he's going to have to be a detailed guy. It seems that he is. I think CBS came out with their rankings of Big Ten coaches, and Rule was ranked right around seventh. Where would you put him among Big Ten coaches? Well, at this point, Tom, I think it's hard to put him anywhere because he's never coached in the Big Ten. Um, until he goes up against all of them, I think it's pretty hard uh, to, to – I mean, you can guess. and If you look at what he did at Baylor, you look at what he did at Temple – you could say he's probably upper fourth at least. But, um, you know, I look around the Big Ten Conference. I think Brett Bielema is the best coach right now in the Big Ten wow. Conference. Uh, I mean, you look at what he's been able to do in such a short period of time. He turned those guys into NFL defensive backs in one year. Uh, and I came away really impressed with Brett Bielema. I think he's the best coach, on-field coach, in the Big Ten Conference today. I, I truly believe that. I think the best recruiter is Mike Loxley, but I'm not really sure that Mike Loxley is, you know, has game capacity uh, 
Ryan Day is obviously very, very good. Harbaugh's taken back-to-back teams into the championship or into the playoffs. James Franklin has made Penn State extremely competitive. And P.J. Fleck, I know a lot of people find this hard to believe because it's easy to laugh at him. P.J. Fleck is getting it done at Minnesota. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's, he's got a little bit stronger headwinds than most because they have academic requirements at Minnesota that make transfers very, very difficult to get. And yet he's not only developed guys that nobody else wanted, but he's consistently beating people that he shouldn't probably be beating. Uh, the other guys on the other line side of the line of scrimmage have better people than he has had. Uh, but he's got a culture there. They believe in him. They believe in what they're doing. They have world-class facilities. So I look at Minnesota and say, okay, they're not going anywhere as long as P.J. Flex there. And then Luke Fickle, look, the guy, I think he was one phone call away from getting the offer by Trev Alberts. Uh, if they had not come to an agreement with Matt Rule, I think Luke Fickle was next. Mm-hmm. And people would be talking about Luke Fickle at Nebraska as a great hire. So Minnesota, or rather Wisconsin, went and got you know, a lottery pick. <laughs> what he did at Cincinnati, yeah. got him into the playoff, hello? So, I mean, I, I think the Big Ten's loaded with really good coaches. Uh, Iowa has a problem. Uh, now they are changing. They've evolved in the last year after they got their rear ends handed to them in the transfer portal, so now he's bringing in guys. Uh, but look around the Big Ten. Indiana is going to have it very hard. They're yeah. Now and forever. Uh, Jeff Brom left Purdue for a reason. Purdue is not going to be able to compete uh, in the new Big Ten Conference with USC and UCLA without big NIL money and a lot of other things. He just thought it was just going to be too difficult. So at the bottom of the stack, you're going to have you know, Indiana, Purdue, and Northwestern. Uh, and then everybody else is going to be fighting and scratching to try to beat their way into the top four. But this Big, this big Ten, with the addition of USC, USC, Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State are going to be national championship contenders every year. Yep. So you got four teams at the top, and then you got another five, four or five teams, and Nebraska's in that group with the likes of, I think, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan State, UCLA. Uh, they're going to be in that boat where they're fighting and scratching to try to get enough quality wins to, to uh, qualify for the playoffs. Uh, but the idea that you're going to take those top four programs, especially USC now with Lincoln Riley in a really great conference, it's going to be hard to break those guys up. I mean, it's going to be hard to break into that circle for anybody, but it'll make for, it'll make for a great Saturday every single week in the fall. We'll see some great football. Well, we can't wait to have you back uh, this fall. Nebraska is, I think the only power five school since 2016, not to have made a bowl game. Uh, Oh, gee. Oh, man. Will Did you they, have to share that? Uh, I was say, there went my yeah, Sunday. I was, having, I was having a good day before you said well, that. I, it's what I do. I, I share. Are they yeah. a bolt? In, are they a bowl team in your estimation? Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think they are a bowl team. Uh, those first two games, I don't know what's going to happen at Colorado. I'm hearing, I'm hearing absolutely bipolar stories about what's going on out there. I'm hearing that it's it's a it's a complete dumpster fire there. That he has no idea what he's doing. He's got guys. He's gotten cars for players, and they're crashing the cars. Yeah. I mean, it's I've heard everything from this is great, this is wonderful. He's energized everybody. He's got great talent coming into it's it's a dumpster fire. I think the Minnesota game is going to be tough, but you know, hey, Minnesota lost a lot of people, and uh, they've got I think 
quarterback is very underrated. Mm. But um, that's going to be a tough one. I think there will be a lot of Nebraska fans there. Let's see if the Minnesota people turn out for it. Uh, but, you know, those non-cons, the, the other non-cons I think are real winnable. Uh, they've got the tougher games at home. Uh, and there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, that I think this program is on the rise. I, I really just love the leadership of the university. I think President Carter is the, the right guy. Trev is the right guy. I think that he, he has set the tone for winning in football and men's basketball and baseball, which are the key sports. Yeah. So I'm very optimistic. Uh, last year, people asked, I said, I'm optimistic, but not confident. This year, I'm just really optimistic because I just like what I hear and see. Yeah. And then after I see something for real, then I can go from optimistic and blank to optimistic and confident. <laughs> well, we like you when you're optimistic and confident. Uh, and hopefully we get that version of Jim Rose back this fall after uh, a who knows? A two and zero start. It could happen. Yeah. We'd could love happen to- anytime, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Jim. See you soon. Uh, former voice of Nebraska football, Jim Rose, uh, on in the morning with Gary Saddlemeyer. Great listen, by the way, every day. And he's written a couple books on Nebraska football, and obviously follows it still closely. Uh, Mike Melby there. Tom Stevens here. We've got a full hour. Jay Foreman, I believe, will be in in any moment. Uh, and we'll, who knows, maybe spend an entire hour with the former Husker linebacker, the Hall of Famer, played at uh, Nebraska, of course, in the glory era of Nebraska football and in the NFL. Uh, Jay Foreman is coming up. Back with more after this. It's Husker Rewind. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Husker Rewind here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. If you're watching us on the stream, it is the Starter Heyman live stream. You can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. And if you have Allo, dial up channel 951, and you can see the uh, the scowl of angry old men on Tom and I's face. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always something that we have to deal with on Sundays. But that's yeah, like an entire hour with no commercials in it for the, what, 17th week in a row. <laughs> uh, you can call or text the show on the Honda of Lincoln hotline or the Sarder Heyman Jewelers text line 402-464-5685. Hmm. And uh, big thanks to Jim Rose joining us. Haven't talked to Jim in a long time. Yeah, I, I do talk to Jim. I see him like once every like three or four months. Uh, he'll play events at LCC, and uh, obviously he's close with my wife Heidi. They work together in the athletic department at the University of Nebraska. So I he runs around in some of the not in my circles necessarily, but in the circles of people I know. If that makes yep, any sense, it does. Uh, we both worked with Jim back in the day at Broadcast House. Those were some crazy days, man. He, he would he was the play by play voice of Nebraska football, and you were the no, no, that was Warren Swain. He he took over after I left. Oh, I thought Jim was there, and no. you were still he was he was the sports or program director, whatever it came. Okay, but yeah, he was I thought there. He was doing play by play, and you were back at the studio doing scores and stuff like that. Yeah, you were, no, it was during Warren. Swain. Yeah, Warren Swain. I it, the greatest radio call of a of a big play in the history of mankind that. Uh, Dan Patrick and uh, Keith Oberman, the, it's the the Mike Stunts to Eric Crouch play. Right. And they 
show the play, and then they go, you know what, let's listen to the play with uh, Brent Musburger doing the play-by-play. And so they do, and then they go, hey, you know what, let's watch that again, except this time, let's listen to Homer Simpson do the play-by-play. Oh, no. Yeah, and they're just roasting uh, uh, Warren Swain in the way. Warren was a good dude. He was He was, but it was, was, and and it was, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, the next week was not a good week, though. Yeah, but but uh, that was that was fun getting uh, caught up with Jim Rose, who plays a lot of golf, and I, I run into him sometimes in the golf circuit. And uh, we played and both played poorly uh, this last Wednesday, but it was really good to talk to him. Uh, Jay Foreman is coming up in just a few minutes. I do want to talk uh, about Nebraska getting bumps from players in their recruiting classes. Uh, several of these guys have gone from. Three to four stars uh, for Nebraska football, which is encouraging. Um, a couple of them, Kawan Lacey, a uh, running back, is now in the top 300. He was way outside the top 300 um, before a recent bump. You have guys like Gibson Pyle, who has uh, now been invited to the All-American game. Uh, you have Carlon Jones, who gets a bump to four stars. It does concern me that some of these guys that uh, late in the recruiting class, because Nebraska was the first to offer them, if a Texas A&M jumps in or an Oklahoma jumps in or an Alabama, do they remain committed to Nebraska. But it also is encouraging to me that Rule is seeing what he's seeing because uh, he attends a lot of these camps. A lot of times he's coaching in these camps and he does his own evaluations. He trusts his evaluations and – his coaches' evaluations, and if they they like a guy, they're not afraid to pull a trigger on a dude. No, and, and they're not. And it's it's really interesting because uh, Scott Shanley, former Nebraska linebacker, played for the Saints. He, he was probably the most outspoken against Matt Rule as a hire. He thought it was a, a reach, like, yeah. and, and and he focused solely on because of what happened at Carolina. I saw that article. I yeah, think Steve yeah, Sipple wrote that yeah, uh, and, for Husker Online. Yeah, and and I was just so puzzled because there's numerous national pundits that have kind of that same thing, and then like Steve Smith, the the Hall of Fame receiver that played for the Panthers. Rule's been the coach at Nebraska for like five months. And Smith just loses his mind right. on Matt Rule and what a horrible hire it was. And how, I mean, it was just like, dude, what is your like? <laughs> NFL, NCAA, ninety nine percent different. Like, yeah, it's not even close. And well, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get all the negativity from a handful of people. It's just a handful, but uh, it'll be interesting because now well, he's got to win. Uh, yeah, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned Scott Shanley was not a rule fan. Yeah. It didn't like the hire at all. But his brother Andrew Shanley loves it. <laughs> yeah, and his brother's here uh, playing for Matt Rule. So. Right. So there you go. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it works out. But if it does work out, he's going to have to develop guys. So that was one of the key parts that. We talked about you know Tom Osborne and his ability to see guys and develop guys uh, didn't always take three and four stars. Like, there wasn't even a star system at that point. A lot of it, your recruiting ranking a lot had a lot to do with did Oklahoma offer you? Has Florida offered you? Did yeah. Florida State offer you? Okay, then then you're probably pretty good. You're yeah. probably a top 100 national recruit. But it feels like Matt Rule has always evaluated guys on – what he sees with his own two eyes. Can you run a 10-5-100? Uh, then you might get a Nebraska offer. Uh, 
you know, do you have the ability to block at a certain level? I mean, it's the last, I had a problem with the last staff evaluating an offensive lineman in particular. It was, if you weren't 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", you didn't get a Nebraska offer. You're seeing a lot of these offensive linemen now being offered that are only 6'3 and 6'4". That's something that Tom Osborne lived on. Now, it's a, it was a different style of offense. It was an option offense where you had to be more you had to be quicker and you had to be able to pull if you were an offensive guard. There wasn't a lot of offensive tackles that, you know, demanded pass protection, you know, for five or six seconds. But I believe there was a year where Tommy Frazier never got sacked. Yeah. Never got sacked once. Well, and it wasn't because they were six five or six six. It was because they were just quick and athletic and could move. The the other problem with the philosophy of let's recruit a bunch of six seven six eight and six nine guys for the offensive line, which is essentially what the last staff did. When your quarterback's six three, how smart is that? Yeah, just asking that question. Well, that won't be a problem with Jeff Sims because he is six four. Yeah, uh, so he'll be able to see over. But I, I agree. I mean, I think you just take a guy, no matter what his height is, um, and they're. For example, Bryce Benhart is 6'9", and, and Rule, Matt Rule has talked about how much he really likes the guy and thinks he's an NFL prospect. But you got to be able to bend. Um, and sometimes those guys that are that tall have problems with flexibility. We'll see how it works out uh, with the Nebraska offensive line. But you're seeing smaller guys on the offensive line. I, I, I just think that they've offered guys that they, they like, no matter who they are. Now, they've offered four stars as well and five stars. They were they were in on uh, Dylan Riola. I mean, and he was now bumped to the number two quarterback in the country, I believe. By by the way, he has fallen in oh. some of these rankings. Uh, so you don't want him. Don't want him. Um, but you, they, they're seeing what they're seeing. They're trusting their evaluations. Does it work out? I don't know. Um, but it does. It does make you feel better as a Husker fan that some of these guys that they saw and were two and three stars are now. In some cases, four four stars. I haven't seen any bump to a five star, but uh, a lot now in the top three hundred. So uh, let's get to break. Yep. Jay Foreman Jay is Foreman's here, here. Uh, the Husker All American, played a long time in the NFL as well. We'll talk a little bit about what what has been going on at Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald, um, and I'm sure he has a lot to say about that, and will and has had a lot to say. On Old School, uh, you can hear him every day with DP on Old School right here on 93.7 The Ticket. But he's with us coming up next. Mike Melby there, Tom Stevens here, back with more after this.